This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon, what's happening? Larry, how are we feeling tonight? Doing pretty good, my friend. How, how was your day? How was the stuff going on? How was your sportscast this morning? Tell you me about it. You know what? Remember when we were talking about Googling all these theme songs and, yes. uh, you know, it was really going to mess up my Google searches? Well, today, my uh, those Google searches finally wore me down and uh, my WKRP in Cincinnati t-shirt arrived in the mail. So, oh! Uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, like you click on an ad sometimes and at first you're like, I'm not going to buy that. And then they just keep sending you the same ad over in time. You think to yourself, they just wear you down they just break yeah. you down yeah so they broke me down and the, the t-shirt came today it fits like a glove of course it does of course <laughs> it does and and is that is that an inkling of what we could hear in the 80s no well practice? wkrp is out tonight but we got the 80s tonight and you know i, I gotta be honest mm-hmm. i was looking at the 80s and you know we got four matchups tonight three yes. of them i feel like if i were a voter i'd know which way i go okay the fourth one i, I have no idea I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but uh, it's a it's a comp- it's a total battle. I mean, this one this might be the best matchup of the entire tournament. That's a heck of a tease, going, Damon. You're yeah. you're in the boy. I'm telling you, sell it, sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Did a great job. We'll do that at the top of the hour. Next hour, we'll get you caught up on what's happening. But Gordon, let's talk a little baseball. Yes. And look, and, and obviously, we'll talk about the the ESPN put out their top twenty five players today. And obviously, the thing that jumps out at you is Degrom and Cole, right? Because mm-hmm. those are the those are the two pitchers. But I'm I'm going to go there in a second. And Kay and Lagreca talked about it early after they came off the air, doing a couple of doing innings everything. of Yankee baseball today. Right. But but we'll put that aside for a second. Gordon Mike Trout is listed number one. Gordon, listen, I have a lot of respect for Mike Trout, but can, can I be honest with you? He can't still be number one, Gordon. Okay, when you talk about number one players, we always talk about how they bring people, they elevate people around you. I never see them in the postseason. I never see him play. They don't play any meaningful games, okay? Uh, I know he's a great player. I understand that. But even they admit that he didn't have the same season last year with the 60-game season. His defense has dropped down. How could he still be number one? Because he is coming from such an elevated perch, even his worst season is still pretty stinking good. I, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily have him number one, but when you know you have a 60-game season, which you know you always have to kind of take a, you know, a little bit into account, but even then, it was probably his worst season in a while, he was still slashing 281 on base of 390 and slugging of 603. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> and he's homering, you know, once every 12 at-bats. Um, he's, uh, he's just an outstanding – I mean, we are lucky to live in a time where we get to see Mike Trout on a semi-regular basis. Now, I get it. We don't get to see him in the postseason. That's true. But I don't feel like we ever hold that against Jacob deGrom by saying that he is the best pitcher in the game. Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But then again, Gordon, we don't judge everyday players the same way we judge pitchers. So if you're telling me that that uh, Trout is not Mookie Betts had a better year last year than Trout did, yeah, but I think I think it, you know, yes, it's it's based on last year. I think it's partly based on projection of where you're at, you know, moving forward. And I think you do have to take into account it was 60 games last. You know, if it was a full year last year and Betts was look, it's splitting hairs. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, the difference between Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. It's very, very close. Cool. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing 
on a baseball field that Mookie Betts can't do and do at an excellent level. He fields. Mm-hmm. He th- I mean, he's the five-tool guy, right? Hits yep. for average power, everything. He can do every single thing on a baseball field. And it's not just that he's a great ba- – you know, he's not just a fast base runner. He's a great base – he mm-hmm. very rarely mm-hmm. ever gets thrown out. Yeah. So, I mean, his all-around game is uh, is so polished that I do think that, you know, you're really splitting hairs between one and two. But the fact that it was only 60 games, I think, does take in, you know, it does take into account a little bit that, you know, I'm not going to judge Trout too harshly based on mm-hmm. that only being 60 games. Okay, so Betts moved up from five to two. Mm-hmm. That's could fair. he? Could he never be one? Oh no, I think that if he were to go out this year, well, look, the thing that Trout has going against him is he does miss a lot of time, right? He, he's mm-hmm. starting to get nicked up with the injuries, and maybe. You know, maybe the, the, the down year last year is a is a downward trend. You know, I mean, he was he, he's been doing it for so long now that maybe he has started to hit a little bit of a decline phase in his uh, in his career. It wouldn't it, I mean, it wouldn't shock me now. It might mm-hmm. be a long de- and he's he certainly again at a very high level so that his decline phase might take a long time to come down to just being an average player. But, yeah, no, I think that Mookie Betts absolutely could overtake him. But I think you need. I think you, you know, when you're the champ, I think you need more than 60 games when it's a close race between two guys to take the challenger over the champion already, right? Because mm-hmm. Trout was already the guy that was number one overall. Yep. So for boot, but for Betts boots, for Betts <laughs> to overtake him, I think you need more than the 60 games. Well, I think Major League Baseball would do themselves good if they would give him some games where we can see Trout play. I mean, Gordon, yeah. you've got you've got a great a player. Yeah, You've got a great shame. player, and if he walked down the street, you wouldn't even know who he was. No, well, you know, part of that's on him, right? He does not want to be the face of baseball, even as great a player as he is. And, you would, you know, it's not like he's playing in Kansas City. I mean, he's playing in California. <laughs> you think that he'd be able to get – but they just have not been able to put a team around him so that he ever really gets any crack in, uh, in October. It's unfortunate. Luckily for, you know, the thing that Mookie Betts has got going for him – you know almost, you know, I don't want to say absolutely, but it's practically a lock. The Dodgers will be back in the playoffs again, so you'll get mm-hmm. to see him. And I'm betting by the time this list, even if guys, if the two guys have close to the same seasons again, I mm-hmm. bet you next year Betts is probably overtaking Trout. It'll be interesting to see. And, but, but still, Gordon, I'm like, regular season, can I see Trout? I mean, unless I got yeah, the baseball it, package, it, Gordon, I'm not seeing them. Yeah, you know, they're just not a good team. I mean, you know, maybe they're going to be better now. It seems like every couple of years they, they, you think, ah, maybe, you know, maybe the Angels can come out of there a little bit. Maybe their pitching's a little bit better. Otani's back now, so maybe they can, uh, you know, get him, get him going in the rotation. I know a lot of people are expecting a lot from Dylan Bundy this year, so maybe mm-hmm. their pitching is going to be a little bit better. But yeah, it's been criminal. They have kind of wasted uh, Mike Trout's prime years. Being just a bad, you know, even if they're a 500 team, uh, yeah, it's almost a surprise. But I mean, can I see him early before they start losing? <laughs> right? <laughs> can I see him in the first month of the season, Gordon? Give yeah. me a break. I want to see. He is the best player in the game. Okay, and and here's the thing, Gordon. Nobody argues about it. No, it's it's the one thing he is universally understood and recognized as the best player in baseball. And we here on the East Coast only see him when they're playing the Yankees or on occasion on the interleague when they're playing the Mets. And that's it. And it shouldn't be that way. 
No, it just shouldn't. No. Well, look, you know, uh, we could have a, a week of show. You know, we could have a tournament of shows uh, <laughs> listing the ways that Major League Baseball has done a poor job marketing yeah. the sport and marketing their stars. You know, if yep. Mike, Mike Trout was in the NBA, he would have been moving off that team a long time ago oh, and not to some other team that uh, makes the playoffs quite regularly. And he wouldn't have had to boycott very hard. No. I mean, could you imagine? You know, he's still, I think he's, this year he's 29. So, I mean, he's oh, still, so a, you know, he's still a young, still I mean, just he was prime. up at 19. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're playing every single day at an all-star level at the age of 20, uh, that's, yeah. that's a sign, you know, it's a sign that you're, you're pretty good. You're, you're pretty, pretty good. good. You're, yeah. you're not bad. I'll say that. You're not bad. All right, Gordon. So obviously the discussion on the Michael K show today was about, Garrett Cole, five, Mm -hmm. Jacob deGrom, six. Now, last year, Garrett Cole was two, Jacob deGrom was three. So let's see what the guys had to say about who they think is, do they agree with the ESPN top 25, or do they say eh, maybe deGrom's a little bit better? From birth, I'm a Yankee boy, and I think that Garrett Cole is one of the best free agent signings that they're going to make. He is not disappointed at all so far in every aspect. But Jacob deGrom has won two Cy Young Awards. His velocity has increased each of the last five years. How do you, with good conscience, rate Cole ahead of Jacob deGrom? I don't get that. Now, last year, Cole was ranked second, and deGrom was ranked third. And this was coming off two straight Cy Youngs. How? I mean, what what, what would the thinking be? So what's, is there any analytic that Cole's got him beat that it's definite that he's got to be ahead of him? I don't see one. Now, he had a good year last year, 7-3, and 2.84, 94 strikeouts, 7. And the, nobody's knocking Garrett Cole. He's no. one of the top players in baseball. But to rank him ahead of DeGrom almost seems to me, I'm not saying that they're doing this, like a troll job to get people to debate. Well, that's an interesting thought, that. Gordon. It worked that's like a charm. Yeah, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Raising both my hands, Gordon, guilty. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, Gordon, and, and look, I have more issue with it last year than this year, right? Because he was coming off two Cy Youngs. This year, I mean, he finished third behind Bauer and Darvish, DeGrom. Fabulous pitcher. Okay, still, fabulous pitcher. Everybody knows that. We all understand it. So I I could see him being a a step behind Cole this year. But, Gordon, I can't see him coming up two straight Cy Youngs. How is he better than – how is Cole better than him the past two years? Yeah, I, look, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't know what metric they're using. The only thing – and, look, I'm a believer that the mantle right now of best pitcher in baseball belongs to Jacob deGrom. I don't think that that's going out on a limb for anybody. Mm-hmm. The only yep. thing I will say is that deGrom, 33, so might be getting a little bit up there. His September last year was mere mortal, was not typical uh, Jacob deGrom type level. Uh, So maybe – and think about where he is coming from. I mean, the last two – it's very rare the elevated – you know, the the stats that deGrom has put up there at the pinnacle uh, of pitching at this time in the sport. It would be not all that surprising that even if he were to still remain excellent, still be the best pitcher or among the best pitchers in the National League, it would not be all that surprising that if his stats were to, I mean, you know, he, he had an ERA of under two three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah, it was yep. 170 the, the one year. Uh, the two years ago, it was 2.43. So, mm-hmm. And he led the league in strikeouts. So, I mean, it would not be all that surprising. Even if it were to come down a little bit, 
You know, mm-hmm. maybe we've seen the peak of Jacob DeGrom as he, you know, enters the age of 33. All that right. said, I would still take DeGrom over Garrett Cole at this he, point in time. If, if you're making a bit of a projection, though, right, yes. maybe that's what you go with. Mm-hmm. And even last year, going in the, you know, in, as you mentioned in the, sub, in the September, that wasn't great. The ZRA was 2.38. Uh, let me see. What do I have for his stats? In September, I have his stats. Last September, five starts. His ERA was 3.33. Mm-hmm. Look, still great. I mean, you know, it's still, I'm just, you know, from where he is. Yes. You know, very elevated, um, uh, rare air up there. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, he, even then, he's still an excellent player, but. You know, I'm just trying to come up with the reason that they could come up with because I disagree with it, but you yeah. know, I always like to try and find, all right, what, what's the angle they're going with? Exactly. I disagree with it too, but once yeah. again, Gordon, I can – because he wasn't as dominant as he was coming off the back-to-back Cy Young Award years. Mm-hmm. So I could see them saying, okay, Cole was better than him last year. So like I'm saying, last year, I don't – you know, I, I could see if they're saying that, all right, yeah. from a record standpoint and, you know, ERA and so on and so forth. I mean, individually, for mm-hmm. me, I'm looking at him. I mean, he was dominant to me. Yeah. Uh, the September, he wasn't great. Cole, the only issue I have with Cole is home seems run. like he gives up a bunch of home runs. Yeah. And that, look, that's he's, he, he's that's continue the thing to. that bothers me. If the argument is going to be stats, I think DeGrom is clearly going to win because right. playing in the National League, especially now without the DH, mm-hmm. that, you know, having that automatic out, and, and let's be honest, almost an automatic strikeout every mm-hmm. you know every every other inning or every third inning um is going to is going to play into that. So I think it's more about you know where they're at in their career, mm-hmm. the 3 years younger, you know, I think it's it's kind of they're 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 kind of going in and saying all right, you know, almost coming it from the angle of what can we kind of cook up here to to um to to make this a little bit more interesting than just listing it as everyone would expect. Yeah, and the fascinating thing is it would have been interesting to see, Gordon, how it would have extrapolated this year with the fact that you both that everybody you had the universal DH last season. Right. Right. So you didn't have the pitcher. Now if you have it over 162 games, that would really be interesting to see how they would battle it out. You know, what what I'm saying from a from a, mm-hmm. a statistical standpoint. It would be more equal footing. Now I will say this, you know, like De- DeGrom obviously has the two Cy Youngs. Two years ago, 2019, mm-hmm. Cole should have been the, the American League Cy Young. Now, he lost out to, to, uh, to Verlander, but I think, you know, he came in second place. And that year, he led the American League in ERA. He led the American League in strikeouts. He led the American League in strikeouts per nine. I think he threw more innings. Um, you know, I don't really understand how the voters decided to go with Justin Verlander there over Cole, but you know, that was their decision. So sometimes we get caught up in these awards and, uh, I think you could argue that sometimes the awards are gotten wrong. Yeah, that's for sure. Here's the one thing we know, Gordon. New York City's got two pretty good, ba- pretty good baseball pitchers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now it's it's just a it's mission impossible to keep them healthy throughout yes. the entire season because uh, nothing would uh, nothing would sink the hopes quite like that. What do you guys think? Who's the better pitcher? And is Mike Trout still the best player? Gordon says he is. I say so, but I'm you know I'm, you're on the fence. I, no, I still think he's a great player. I just think you know. Mookie Betts should have gotten a little more consideration for this season. You know, you know what the problem I have with this list is? It doesn't yes. seem like the thinking is consistent, right? Because if you're, you're right. going with Trout, you're saying the body of evidence that he has, putting up, has put up up until this point 
says that he carries the mantle as the best player. When it comes to DeGrom and Cole, it seems like the, it, it's much more of a projection about, well, Cole now is younger and he might be better for longer, whereas you know, DeGrom might start to maybe decline from his lofty heights. So it doesn't seem like the thinking here is consistent all the way through. Gordon and I are chatting about the ESPN Top 25 Baseball Players. We had a little discussion about Mike Trout being number one and, of course, uh, the battle between uh, Cole and DeGrom. There's got to be, and you know what, Gordon, I'm very interested to see. I was thinking about something. I'll I'll put that aside for a second. I'm very curious to see uh, where Fernando Tatis, based on the big contract that's around his neck (laughs) for this season, how is that? Is that going to affect him at all? Is that, I mean, he was ranked 41st last year, and now he's number eight. Yeah, well, I mean, look, he made some strides with his defense last year, so we'll have to see. You know, again, it's 60 games, so mm-hmm. it's tough to, you know, anybody can have two good months. So, and look, I'll be honest with you, it would not shock me if next year we got to this point and we weren't saying about Trout or Betts, we were talking about Cody Bellinger because he's yeah. a sensational yes. player as well. So, he is. And he's gone from a first baseman to an outfielder and has been – you know, uh, top of the top of the sport in terms of defense. So it would not shock me there at all. And, uh, you know, baseball's got a lot of exciting young players. It just would uh, be nice if they could uh, do a better job of kind of promoting those guys like Tatis, like Juan Soto, like Acuna. You know what I mean? Maybe it's unfortunate that they're not, you know, especially Acuna and, um, and, um, and Tatis not exactly in the biggest team markets in the world. Yeah. So. It would be nice if, uh, you know, baseball could get around to actually promoting its young stars because they got a bunch of them. They do. You know who's a nice young player, Gordon? And he had some injuries and it's really derailed him? Yelich in Milwaukee. Yeah. Look, he looks like a big bounce back candidate this year. He had, uh, what was it, the, the kneecap or something last year? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really kind of derailed him. Again, you know, a lot of guys, I, I just feel like you can throw it out because it's just such a weird 60 games, you know? I mean, like, remember when it was first floated that the baseball was going to have to cut down its season? Or, like, do, yeah. do we even play if it's less than 80 games? What's mm-hmm. the point if it's less than 80 games? <laughs> And then we cut off 20 even from 80, and we played it, and, and you know, we, we did the best that we could. But um, I do feel like a lot of these seasons you kind of have to – if you're going to have a bad year, the 60-game season is a good time to have the bad year because, look, the Brewers could be a very good team this year, but it all kind of depends on Yelich bouncing back from where he was last year. I'm going to yield to you on this, Gordon, because I, I think he should be higher in watching him. Uh, LeMay, who, at 19? Look, I, li- I, li- I like I like them. The, you know, it's amazing how he still gets slept on. And uh, I thought last year he was the American League MVP with all the guys the Yankees got hurt over the course of the year. He was the one constant. He was the guy who played the tougher defensive position than the other candidates. He uh, also led the American League in OPS, which is a far more important stat than some of the stats that they sometimes use to boost up other people. But uh, look. Uh, he's a guy that flies under the radar. He, you know, could you even pick out his voice if we played a cut of him right now? Probably not. I probably couldn't either. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, there's nothing to not like about uh, DJ LeMayhew. He has been absolutely perfect since he's got here. He's hitting the regular season. He's hitting the clutch. He's hitting the postseason. So, 
Yeah, just let him, you know, don't mind him. Just uh, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. It just happens to be the machine. I mean, he was 57. Listen, he went from 57 to 19, so give him credit. I mean, that's yeah. a huge jump. But, Gordon, he should have been 57 last year. No, probably not. Uh, but, look, you know, when the Yankees signed that contract, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was a weird decision at the time because he was a guy who always hit the ball hard, and that's something that the Yankees really value. A lot of teams value that. But he had hit the ball on the ground a lot, and generally that leads to outs, especially with all the shifts and everything else. But, uh, I mean, you could not have had a better two-year run here than D.J. LeMahieu has had. And, and uh, what was the one thing? After the Yankee season ended last year, every Yankee fan was in agreement. They have to, have to, have to bring this guy back. So, um it's good that uh, he's back, and it seems like, you know, listen to the broadcast today with Michael Don and Peter about the uh, relationship between him and Glaber Torres. They're really kind of uh, building a bond there. So, look, I, they, I, I call him the patron saint of base hits. I love DJ LeMayhew. <laughs> There's one thing that I've been scouring this list for, Gordon. Mm-hmm. One thing as a Met fan I'm really searching for, and I'll tell you what that is when we return. And your phone calls are next as well on 98.7 ESPN. Talk a little baseball with you at 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for, but first I want to hear from uh, I want to hear from Calvin in Washington Heights. Calvin, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, how you doing, guys? A huge fan of the show, uh, Gordon and uh, Larry. With Jacob DeGron, man, I, he, he, he's supposed to be ahead of Garrett Cole for sure. I remember a couple of summers ago, I'm a person that I love, love paying attention to where the players is ranked. I believe Tati Jr. Will, should be in the top five sooner. By next year, he should be top five, or even this year. I think he should have been top six, you know, just to respect to some of the other players because I, I see him like a baby Alex Rodriguez, so complete, so talented. Um, the one player that I always follow, because I believe he's the most overrated player in the major leagues, they've done great marketing with him, but he's so overrated, is Bryce Harper. And I... I follow him like this guy gets so much credit in his numbers. It's like the first month of the season, he does okay. Then after that, it's just, where is he? He disappears. So it's like I, I love seeing now that they're putting him further away, like continue putting him further away because he's not the top 10, top 20 players in the major leagues. But I'm excited to see with some of the uh, young talent that the major league has. It's a great time uh, for sports. In um, good youth, a lot of them are in their young 20s, and we're going to see them for the next 10, 20 more years, 10, 15 years. Yeah, you're not wrong, Calvin. Thanks for the phone call. And listen, Bryce Harper does – Bryce Harper's lucky to be 25, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah. Well, look, he's much more of a face of baseball than he is a star of yes. the level that we're talking, right? Because anytime Absolutely. he says anything or does anything, it definitely gets attention. But, you know, that MVP year that he had, uh, was it 2014, 2015, whatever it was, 
you kind of thought, okay, you know, he was 22, 23 at that point, and he he led in op- uh, on base and slugging and everything, and he hit 40-something home runs. You thought, okay, this is the player that we've been expecting. And you know he's never kind of – now, he's still a good player. He's still a valuable player, but he has not returned to those kind of highs. Uh, so, no. yeah, I, I do think that he is slightly overrated, but I think that that's based a little bit on his personality that any – you know – his personality more so probably than anybody in the sport moves the needle. Yeah, it's true. It really is. So Gordon, here's, I've been perusing this top 25 mm-hmm. and I'm perusing as a Met fan for shortstops yeah. in case I, in case Lindor doesn't stay. Right. <laughs> so I'm looking at Trevor story at 23 and Corey, Corey Seager at 22. And you know, the, I, because that's, Listen, Gordon, that's a realistic situation as a Met fan. Okay, I know that uh, Lindor is a tremendous player. I know that he is a guy that's in the top 20 mm-hmm. a- as far as the top 25 players, and right. rightfully so because of his defense. Hopefully he'll hit better than he did last year, but that was, a, once again, asterisk 60-game season. Yeah. So he wasn't good offensively. Yep. But here's the bottom line, Gordon. I don't know if uh, Daddy Moneybucks – is going to open his cash register for Lindor at at over three hundred million for like ten years. I don't know if he's going to do that. Yeah. I, I, well, look, if he's not, it doesn't really make sense to make the trade, right? Yeah. Like you knew yeah. when you. The reason why he was on the market was because everyone knew a he wanted the big long term deal, which he is absolutely deserving of, and b he is not going to take a penny less than he you know, than the market value. So it was clear that when you made that trade, it had to come with a contract extension. And it's very surprising to me, you know, we're talking about Bryce Harper. We thought that that was going to be the new normal. I thought when Steve Cohen came on board, this was not going to be the case anymore. And this is not spending like a drunken sailor, like you could have made the argument if he signed one of these free agents in the offseason. You've traded for this guy. You traded prospects for this guy. This is the move. And if you're not going to sign him, which of the other free agents that are going to be available this offseason are going to be all that much cheaper? Now, mm-hmm. they'll be cheaper, but they're not going to be, you know, you're not going to get one for, for a, a, you know, a penny in a song. You're right. You're right. Now, look, I'm hopeful that they will sign. And I understand that, you know, we got a couple of weeks based on what Lindor has said with the, with the calendar that right. he's in control of. And, yeah, is there a risk? At the end of the season, that you know you may not get him, or you're going to get into a bidding war with another team. Yeah, I understand that, but then you know, listen, I, I respect the guy that's betting on himself, right? He's saying, listen, this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. I I would like this done before the season because during the regular season, I'm not dealing with it. It's about me focusing on on what I'm doing on the diamond and playing and having all my attention on this team. And Gordon, that's what I want as a as a Met fan. That's what I want my guy to say. Yeah, I mean, I do kind of – there is part of me that's like, okay, let the season start and uh, the Mets come to him with 10 years, 330. And and for him to say, you know what, I'm not going to think about that right now. So maybe there is some wiggle room there that if, the, you know, the Mets were to split the difference between uh, the Betts deal and the Tatis deal, and that seems like the range you're going to be talking about, uh, let's see him turn that down. But I, I got to be honest, it's a little surprising to me 
that we're not that far away from the opening of the season, which is a clear de- – it's not like we're surprised that, oh, he's not going to – no, we knew he was not going to talk contract during the season. You made this deal months ago and still nothing. I- I'm-, I'm very surprised by that. And I mean, not even – and I know they're having conversations, but you're not even hearing numbers being tossed back and forth, Gordon. You're hearing nothing. You're just saying, well, yeah, they're talking. Oh, well, are they moving? Are they getting closer? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, I use this term a lot. It's the, it's the dance of negotiation, right? You, yeah. You're, you're yeah. in the car dealership, and you're, you're making it like, you know what, I'm going to leave. You know, everybody go, let me go talk to my boss to see if we can get this price down. So maybe that's all the type of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. But uh, it is it, it feels like it's getting down to uh, the short strokes time, and uh, it doesn't feel like we're making all that much progress. That's for sure. It really does. It really does. Well, Gordon, look, how about some good news for the Yankees with uh, Justin Wilson? Doesn't look like it's a serious thing, so he'll be throwing in a right. couple of days. I'm sh- and, Larry, I'm sure this is the last we'll ever hear of it, right? I yep. mean, how often is that the story with the Yankees? <laughs> Something happens. It looks really bad. You're holding your breath. They go and get the test done. They come back. Hey, everybody, turns out it's not that big a deal. And then two weeks later, oh, you know what? It actually was a big deal. So, you know, I'm hoping for the best because Justin Wilson is one of those guys you'd like to be able to rely on. Uh, But uh, I need to see him pitching in regular season games and pitching effectively before I'm going to exhale on that injury. I will say this, Gordon. He did a pretty good job for the Mets last year. He was, he was an arm that you like. He yeah, was I mean, he, he was yeah, good. Yeah, as a lefty, he did a nice job. So I, I was, a, to be honest, I was a little concerned that they let him go, especially after they didn't get the other relievers they were talking about getting. I was like, you know, he was a guy that was pretty good. You know, why, why'd you let him go? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I, I think he'll do a nice job for the Yankees. Uh, there were really other guys do. this off season that I would, I would have liked Archie Bradley. I would have liked uh, Rosenthal. I would have mm-hmm. liked the Yankees to go get. So they got, uh, they got Wilson. Let's see how it turns out. At least it wasn't Kirby Yates, right? The Blue Jays, their <laughs> closer. Sure. Wow. I mean, they're, they're, oh, they're, I think they got Yankee and Met disease up there because Yates goes down. Um, uh, Springer is uh, is dealing with an oblique, which he says he's going to be ready for opening day. They must have different obliques north of the border because any time a Yankee or Met has an oblique, they're gone for months. They're done. Right. They I mean, for, <laughs> those, that's right next to that intercostal muscle. I never even heard of this until like the last couple of years. As soon as you have one of those intercostal muscles go something wrong with those, boy, you know it's going to be a while. That's like that muscle and blood in the hamstring has been really has blown me away over the past couple of years. The Yankees and Mets over the last couple of years have taught me more about the uh, the human body than anything since that game operation that you used to play. Remember that? Yeah. With the oh, touch yeah. the sides, it <clears throat> zap you. Right. Yeah. That's the Yankees and Mets here the last couple of years. One quick thing before we move on from the top 25, Gordon. Aaron Judge comes in at 24. And listen, uh, they don't have to tell us this is a critical season for Aaron Judge. Everybody knows that. Every Yankee fan knows that. And, you know, you look at the average, look, it's, it's spring training. And like I always say, I don't put a lot of stock into it, Gordon, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because guys start looking, they're working on different things. They're doing different things. But I do think over the next couple of weeks, as we hit that, you know, April 1st opening day deadline, you would like to see your guys kind of round into shape, right? You'd like mm-hmm. to see your guys try to get on the road, try to, get the average up a little bit and try to ride some momentum into the regular season. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that for him because he's a guy that, 
Yeah, we know about the power, Gordon. We know about that. But he's a guy that hits the wall fields. He's a guy that could give you a pretty good average. And, and his average is not what I think it should be right now. Well, look, he when he plays, if he is healthy, he's an offensive juggernaut. I mean, he really is. Between the, the batting eye, even with getting some of the, the strike calls that he gets sometimes, you know, when he is healthy, he's going to get on base. He's going to hit for power. The problem is he has not been able to stay healthy, right? I mean, that, that's been the problem the entire time. So, And at this point, it's almost like he's guilty until proven innocent. So mm-hmm. until he goes out there and, and puts up a full season, you know, there's been so much talk about him and a contract extension. You know the Yankees want to sign him to a long-term contract extension. I'll be honest. I think the next Yankee that should be thinking about or the, or the way the Yankees should be looking at it the guy they should be thinking about locking up to a long-term contract extension would much more be in lines of Glaber Torres, who's mm-hmm. five years younger and is playing a more critical defensive position than Aaron Judge. But let's see if Judge can go out there and finally put it all together. Because if he, had, you know, if him and Stanton could ever play 145, 140 oh games, I mean, the damage that they would do would be ridiculous. It would be incredible. It would be incredible. Here's the stat. Judges played in just 242 games out of the schedule, 384 since the start of the 2018 season. It's, it's just sad because you, he's such a great talent, Gordon, that we, we you know, extol his virtues offensively. He is a heck of a defensive right fielder, too. He's a great – I mean, he's a great all-around player. Uh, and and I, I do feel like a lot of the injuries that have happened to him have kind of been fluky, but – at some point, right, it becomes a trend. And if you're getting hurt on a regular basis at the age of 26, 27, 28, it's kind of hard for me to believe that you're going to be healthy when you're 31, 32, 33. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I wish him the best this season because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun when he's, you know, when uh, – when when Sterling is yelling all rise <laughs> yes. on the radio. Yes, I love John. <laughs> it's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. The unveiling of the second round of the 80s at the top of the hour on the ESPN New York Tonight TV theme throwdown. But Gordon, it's time for our nightly, <laughs> our nightly trip to Florham Park. That's when we find out where, oh, where will Sam Darnold be or where, oh, well, will he be? Will he be a Jet? Will he be traveling? What will the Jets do with the number two pick? Well, Dan Graziano was on DCR early this morning, and he says he believes Sam will be packing the suitcase. I still think the most likely way they end up going is that they get a deal for Darnold somewhere and they draft the quarterback at two, probably it sounds like Zach Wilson is sort of the, the apple of, of people's eye at that point in the draft. So uh, specifically to the Jets, is he? You know, we will find out. But I think that at this point, while there's still a, a couple of different potential ways they could go, I think right now it sounds like they have a chance to get something for Darnold and possibly go ahead and draft the guy they would hope would be the quarterback of their future. Now, Dan Olofsky, Gordon was on the Michael K show today. And he had an – now, he's from the they-should-keep-Darnold camp. Okay, we know that. He's the but, president of let's-keep-Darnold <laughs> camp. I mean, let's be honest. Find yeah, someone is. in your – I wish I ever had some program director, some boss who loved me like Dan Orlovsky loves Sam Darnold. Oh, my God, would I be doing well. 
You're doing pretty good right now, my friend. I am, but I mean, I would be You'd like, be doing... I'd be ahead of the, I'd be like, uh, I'd be sitting in Greeny's chair if I could find <laughs> that guy. I mean, geez, Louise, does Dan Orlovsky love Darnold? He does, and that didn't change on the K show today. <laughs> I'm still keeping Sam Darnold. The 2019 tape of Zach Wilson scares me. His 2019 tape is bad. It is really bad against good competition, very bad against good defenses. I understand he had the injury and all that stuff, and he worked through it, but he looks like a completely different player in 2020. So, like, I would have to sit down. If I'm Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur and, and Greg Knapp, i got to sit down and watch that tape with him and go, okay, why is there such a big disparity year two to year three for you in college football. The second thing is, and everyone talks about like, oh, Justin Fields or Mac Jones, those guys, it's easy for them because, you know, they got such great protection and uh, guys are wide open all the time. Go watch the BYU tape. That's the case a lot. He's sitting back there in the pocket. Now, listen, he's got really fun talent and I love some of the uncoachable traits that he has, but I still want to sit there and go like, why was there a massive jump from 2020? But one of my biggest reasons is this. Name me the last quarterback that was taken in the last five picks of the NFL draft that went to a bad team and flipped that bad team. It doesn't happen. All right, now, one more, Gordon, one more. I'll give you a lot to digest. Jesus. Chris Canty yeah. was on this morning with KJZ. So he did his show and then hung around for KJZ, and he talked about the Jets' quarterback decision. You haven't seen anything in the first three years of Sam's career to give you enough conviction to pass on what Zach Wilson could be or what Trey Lance could be or what Justin Fields could be. One of the things that gets lost in this conversation about what the Jets should do is the opportunity cost that too and what those quarterbacks are going to become. So, I mean, I get that you worry about what Sam would be if he goes to another team, but if you're Joe Douglas, you can't let that dictate how you move because the reality is if you don't have conviction Mm -hmm. that Sam Donald is your quarterback for the next decade plus, then you got to pull the trigger on one of these young quarterbacks because, Allen, I do believe that this offseason represents the Jets' best chance at being able to answer the question of who their long-term answer is at the quarterback spot. All right, Gordon. Uh, I'm more with Canty. I'm curious as to where Dan thinks Sam Donald's going to go. And if I listen to Orlovsky, okay, maybe I don't take Zach Wilson. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm keeping Darnold. Yeah, I mean – I, I I can understand. Let me try and take it from the other point of view because I'm pretty clear. Like I, I think that they should take Zach Wilson or whatever quarterback they fall in love with. Mm-hmm. They should take that guy because I think enough has happened here. It's just best for the Jets. It's best for Sam. But I could understand from the point of view that this is going to be a very weird draft, right? Like they have the, the players will have their pro days, but there's no scouting combine. Some of these guys didn't play at all. Um, for Wilson, he had just the one big year. How much you're actually able to work, you know, I, I, doesn't, I don't think you're going to be able to work out these guys before the draft. So that I could understand, you know, maybe not making the most important decision for your franchise in a year where it's a very strange draft. But unfortunately for the Jets, this is the year they got the second pick in the draft. I just don't understand how they could not be um, looking at this and, and thinking to themselves, like, Darnold has been here long enough that you you would have seen more than just blips here or there. Every quarterback who's taken high in the draft, he shows you blips from time to time. That does not mean that you could uh, you you should be um, you know ready to to put a contract in stone. 
that he's your guy moving forward just because he was drafted high three years ago by someone who, let's be honest, the previous GM is one of the worst in terms of the draft that we have ever seen. Yeah. It's true. It's unfortunate, but it's true. I just have one name to say to prove your point. Christian Hackenberg. I mean, is there any – I mean, that's the, that's, the, that's the one you go to, right? I mean, that's the one for sure. No one anywhere would have taken him where the Jets did. No mm-hmm. one anywhere would have taken him where McCagnan did. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just – I'm, I'm stunned, especially because everybody says that Wilson would be, you know, the perfect fit inside the, the system that the, the Jets are going to run with their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, – I still kind of think you – know, like we kind of flip-flop every day because it seems like we get different information every single day, and maybe that's the way the Jets want it. Mm-hmm. I, I know as a Dolphin fan, more so than anything, I want the Jets to keep Sam Darnold. Of course you do. Right. That's what I want. And, and, and putting myself in the Jet fan position – I would be I would be losing my mind if it seemed like you know what we're just going to stick with him and this is going to be our guy because again it's not you're just sticking it with him for a year you're essentially saying we're passing up on the quarterbacks in this draft which seems like it's just loaded with quarterbacks and we're going to stick with this guy because we still think he can be good. Yeah, and you know, look, it, it's. It's a tough situation because of the the fact that you're not really sure. You don't have Trevor Lawrence, who is supposed to be the guaranteed can't miss guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, you 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 found a way to mess that up by winning a couple of games <laughs> right. when you Most didn't need to. Wins you in know. the history of the franchise. Exactly. Uh, again, because you remember this happened to you a couple of years ago when um, Marcus Mariota, um, Mariota, yep. Mariota was 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 able to come out. You know, and you had a chance to now, as it turns out, he wasn't a great quarterback. But once again, that was a situation where you could have had a, a, a number one pick at quarterback. And unfortunately, you won some games and that messed it up. But in this case, Gordon, you have to make a decision. All right. And listen, if they're doing their due diligence and we've said it before, they know who the, they know who they want. OK, right. they, they have a They have a good. It's like, OK, this is who we want. They have to take it from us, right? They have to make us change our minds. This is who we think. It maybe it's maybe it's Trey Lance. It could be him. I mean, I don't know who it is, and they've done a great job in keeping it quiet. But I have to believe, Gordon, that they're ready to move on. I think they're ready to move on from Sam Darnold. Now the question's going to be, okay, where's Sam Darnold going to go? And and while Dan Graziano told DCR today that he believes that Darnold's going to be traded, I don't know where he's going. Yeah, I would have liked an answer to that question because it it certainly seems like the Jets have kind of missed the boat. I mean, what team is still looking for a court? What team, and it's not just about trading Sam, because if you wanted to trade him, I'm sure you'll get something for him, but it's about maximizing the value. And you have all these teams looking at quarterbacks. You're telling me you couldn't have found some spot before now? The Chicago Bears decided to go with Andy Dalton. It's crazy. Washington is going with 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's never been to the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. I, I just – it seems like that there's – where is this place where he's getting dealt that some team is still uh, 
San Francisco, they're going to give up on Jimmy Garoppolo to get Sam Darnold. Garoppolo took the team to the Super Bowl, threw for 4,000 yards, had a 2-1 to touchdown interception rate. I know he's not maybe great, and his health is certainly a concern, but it's not like, it's not like uh, Sam Darnold's Alan Page all of a sudden. No, and, and look, you know, uh, Alan Hahn brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Gordon, could it be have the Jets over-evaluated? Yes, I think they have. Darnold, that they felt that if they waited, they would get a better deal. Now, I don't know if they've gotten a deal. I don't know who offered them, whatever. But is it possible that they felt, hey, listen, you know, we, we, let's hold on to them. We'll get something better. You know, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the, the next thing, look, they're at the point now, Gordon, that they may have to wait till the season starts and wait for a quarterback to be injured <laughs> before they can yeah, move Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that they're still deciding. I just no, I think I, they I know that. No, I, yeah, think they I know. mean, they can't. That cannot possibly. I, I mean, think they know. yeah. I do. I think they know. And I think they may be waiting to – maybe they think they can get a draft day deal. And maybe they're to the point now of saying, hey, listen, if, if we get a second rounder or a third rounder for him, okay, we'll take what we can get. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to talk to these quarterbacks. We're going to pick out one that we want. And we're going to start the clock fresh. And – Gordon, it would be the right thing, right? Because finally, it would be a scenario where the head coach and the general manager and the quarterback are all in sync at the same time, within a right. year of each other. Why wouldn't you want? Now, look, if, I have a hard time believing that they don't like any of the quarterbacks. I mean, it, se- it seems very possible that the four quarterbacks who are going in the first round are going to go in the first five picks. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Now, I don't know that you would have to say, like, if that's the case – then those teams are saying that this is the greatest quarterback draft of all time, right? I mean, if you have, yeah. I mean, the 83 draft, guys didn't go the top four. You know, Marino won at the end of the round. Jim Kelly went in the middle of the round. So we'll see what happens. It will be interesting. What is it, 36 days, 37 That's days it. until the draft? And drafts? counting. Right. And at counting. some point, the Jets will have a decision. Yeah, soon, we hope. <laughs> I, know where, I know where we have a decision next hour. And that's yes. the 80s moves on the bracket. Who is going on? Who is going home? We'll find out next on 98.7 ESPN. Hold on to the calls because now we find out. I have a quick review on what happened to the 70s, and then we'll find out who advances in the 80s, Gordon Damer. Yes, Larry. Big uh, developments yesterday. We're getting, you know, we're getting closer to the Final Four, right? By this, by the weekend, and the NCAA tournament will be down to the Final Four. So mm-hmm. we got to uh, get a move on here. Yes. So the seventies, seventies last night. Just to give you a brief recap, again, for all the criticism of the selection committee, the selection committee did a pretty darn good job because we have. As I think, yeah, this is right. The one, two, three, and four seeds are the four seeds left in the 1970s. There we go. Now that comes with some some sadness because oh. the real the barn burner of the tournament yesterday, Three's Company, able to take down Sanford and Son. I didn't what? think it was going to happen. You didn't wow. think it was going to happen. But when we went through the seeding process. Um, it was that Three's Company was the four seed, Sanford and Son was the five. So it did, uh, we, we got it right in terms of the seeding process. Three's Company moves on. They'll be joining the Jeffersons, who again t- continues to be a juggernaut. 83, 
80, actually, 84% of the vote goes to the Jeffersons over Ooh. Love Boat. So that was a dominating performance. Brady Bunch over All in the Family. Happy Days over Welcome Back Cotter. Some people complaining that Welcome Back Cotter uh, did, uh, should have been the higher seed. They only got 26% of the vote. Kind of hard to make the argument they were the better theme song mm. when it's a popularity contest and Happy Days clearly won. All right, so let's move on to the 1980s, Larry. And I said, yes. I feel like, you know, the, the eight theme songs that we have left the way they break down, I feel like if I were voting, I know how I would vote except for one of them. So let's get right to it. Again, this is another region where the uh, the selection committee did a phenomenal job. And we start with the number one seed in the 1980s region, which, of course, the juggernaut that is the iconic Cheers. Yes, who can Making forget Cheers, right? I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about the show. Yep. Fantastic theme song. Could very easily see it in the final four. Could be very easily see it win the whole thing. Uh, this time around, Cheers, who uh, just destroyed the competition in the uh, opening round. This time, I, I get the feeling they probably have another easy go of it, but they go up against Growing Pains. Growing Pains, a very uh, strong performance in the opening round. They took out yeah. Family Ties. Cheers blew out Perfect Strangers the first time around, so that's what I was looking for before. So Cheers, Growing Pains, one of the four matchups. Mm -hmm. The second matchup of the 80s, I think this is the one where I would have a very difficult time voting, and I, mm, I don't want to say anything bad about either theme song because they're both phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But the number two, I am very partial to. It is, of course, Greatest American Hero. All right, so greatest American hero, that's the number two seed. The number seven seed, very tough challenge for greatest American. He's going to need all, he really should have those instructions for that suit <laughs> because he is going to have his hands full because he goes up against the number seven, Larry, the A team. Oh. I pity the fool. I don't know how this is going to go. I think the greatest American hero. In terms of my own personal preference, I think that that's my favorite one, certainly of the 1980s. But I, I, I think that the A-team is going to uh, present some challenges. But look, it's up to you. It's up to the voting public. We'll see how it goes. And they're so similar, Gordon. Which ones? A-team and types of, Yeah, the similar types of themes. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're both great. I mean, they're both uh, fantastic. I said in the, in the opening round, if the A-team... If they decided to change the national anthem to the A-team theme, I would uh, I'd be okay with that. I think it would be a fantastic <laughs> development. Uh, okay, number three seed in the uh, 80s region. This one, certain members of the selection committee were uh, big fans of this, and I think that they were right having it this high up. It is different strokes. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. But Alan right Thicke, you. of course. I was always going to say Alan Hahn there for a second. I don't think Alan has ever... At least not publicly sung this song. <laughs> really? It's a, it's a good one, though. you got to admit. And I'll tell you right now, I like it in this matchup because it's going up against the number six, hmm. The Wonder Years. Oh. What would you do if I sang 
Now, see, this is where I think the selection committee screwed up. Because in my eyes, there's no way that the A-team should be lower down than the Wonder Years. The the Wonder Years should be much lower. It's a great song, yes, but I don't think it's as great a theme song as the A-team. The A-team should have been a top four seed, but... We had that discussion. Yes, I know. Look, I like pointing out other people's flaws, Larry. It's just what I do. Uh, That's how you bring people together. It's how I bring people. It's it's a full circle. They they hate me. They despise me. And then eventually I win them back. And then the final matchup in the 1980s. This one, this is a very underrated. It is the four seed. It is Mm. Knight Rider. Again, it's not the most, uh, you know, not a lot of range in that theme song. But look, you know, it sounds like a computerized car. Yep. I will say this. I am hoping this next TV theme song gets knocked out simply for the fact that knocked out Magnum P.I. in the opening round, which is just a travesty. It might be the biggest travesty of the entire tournament. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's the number 12, Jeopardy. Okay, so there you go. Voting is now open on Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. Your matchups again, Cheers versus Growing Pains. Greatest American Hero, people, you better vote it, versus the A-Team. Mm. Number three is Different, uh, uh, different Strokes against uh, the Wonder Years. And then finally, uh, the number four seed, Knight Rider, facing off against Jeopardy. And uh, this is for a spot... In the, what would this be, the regional semifinals? Yes, it would be the regional semifinals mm. next up. So uh, wow. we'll have to see. Wonder Years, uh, you know, they knocked out Golden Girls in the opening round. So there's certainly some support for Wonder Years. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it shakes out tomorrow, Larry. It, it, it's going to be interesting. And then, of course, we'll uh, find out where the 90s are headed, don't we? Yes, tomorrow we get to the 90s. So there's some matchups there. Look, I think at this point for the 90s, it's all about the regional final. Because mm-hmm. if it does not turn out to be the one versus two in that bracket, it will be the greatest upset in the history of any type of voting at all. And think yeah. about some of the <laughs> think about some of the surprises we've had in voting over the Already. past. You know, <laughs> Already. I, I'm almost afraid to find out. Yes. And you know what, Gordon? I think 2000 and beyond is going to be very interesting, too. 2000 and beyond, some good theme songs there. So, uh, look, this is wide open. Like, everybody, it's funny because people say to me when they hear one or, you know, they hear one region, they're like, well, the my favorite from this region, they're clearly going to win the whole thing. You don't know that. Mm-mm. Like, I, it does seem like the number one seeds are very, very strong, but uh, we shall see, you know. Like, you got that opening round for Cheers was a very easy one. Perfect Strangers. Yeah. We'll see how they do against Growing Pains and then – Look, if they get past growing pains, they're going to have to face off against, you know, what, what would they face off against? They would face off against uh, either Jeopardy or Knight Rider. So Ooh. it's not easy. You know, Cheers versus Knight Rider. A lot of Knight Rider fans. That was probably the most suggested theme song by the public to make sure that that was in there. So, And there are four seats. So. I can't no joke. believe. I can't believe Quincy Jones and Sanford this time were sent home. I was yeah, very it's, it's 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 disappointing. It's a, it was a tough matchup. Could go either way there. Three. It was and it was a close one. It was like you know fifty four forty six or something mm. like that in the end. So mm-hmm. you know a lot of these have been blowouts so far. So uh, we got to get a couple upsets here. But that was that one. At least the uh, selection committee got it right. We had the four seed as three's company, and they did end up winning. So. 
pat ourselves on the back for getting that one right at least. For all the criticisms of uh, the, the, the usual suspects, we got it right. We nailed yeah. it, Larry. That's it. There we go. Hey, the Michael K. Show's Drop Madness continues tomorrow. Have your dials tuned to 98.7 ESPN at 3 p.m. Be ready to cast your votes for each matchup at TMKSESPN on Twitter. Drop Madness is presented by Wendy's. That's where quality is our recipe. Wendy's, we got you. Gordon, tomorrow is the trade deadline for the NBA, 3 p.m. Did you see where Aaron Gordon has requested a trade from Orlando? Yeah. Well, I and, mean, it would be hard to trade him someplace worse, right? <laughs> and see, and if you're Orlando, where are you going to trade him, right? You want you don't want to trade him in your in your own division because you you know if you have any chance of making the late run, you need him on your team. So where are you sending them? Are you sending them? You're trying to send them out of the division. So that's a possible trade. And how about Kyle Lowry? Is he going to Philly? Is he going to Miami? Where is he going? And what are the Knicks going to do? This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.